Good morning. I'd call the Board of Supervisors meeting for January 23rd. It's now, now in session. Speakers joining the meeting via teleconferencing, please unmute your mic. Will the clerk please call the roll? Supervisor Halbert. Present. Supervisor Marquez. Present. Supervisor Tam. Present. Supervisor Carson, excuse President Miley. Here. We have quorum. Join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. Okay. The Board of Supervisors welcomes you to its meetings. The Board allows in-person and remote observation and participation by members of the public at its meetings. The county recognizes the important and invaluable role of public participation in government. Be reminded that disruptive conduct that renders orderly conduct of the meeting unfeasible will not be tolerated. This includes disruptive conduct that may occur through public comment. The chair will order the removal of individuals who are woefully disrupting the meeting so that the meeting may continue in an orderly manner. For those attending the meeting in person, if you would like to speak to an item on the agenda or during public input, please submit a speaker card to the clerk so your name can be called to speak at the appropriate place on the agenda. The clerk will now provide brief instructions on how to verbally participate in public comment through online teleconferencing. Detailed instructions are provided in the teleconferencing guidelines. A link to the document is included in today's agenda. If you are joining the meeting using a computer, use the button at the bottom of your screen to raise your hand to request to speak. When called to speak, please unmute your microphone and state your name. If you are calling in, dial star nine to raise your hand to speak. When you are called to speak, the host will enable you to speak. If you decide not to speak, notify the clerk when your call is unmuted or you may simply hang up and dial back into the meeting. As a reminder, you may always just observe the meeting without participating by clicking on the View Now link on the county's webpage at acgov.org. When called, you will have two minutes to speak. Please limit your remarks to the time allocated. Public comment will generally alternate between in-person and online speakers as determined by the president of the board and subject to overall time limit. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Are there any board comments, remarks this morning? Yes. Uh, just quickly, uh, yesterday I attended uh, the groundbreaking for the Alameda Wellness Center and there was um, very deep appreciation for the county's role uh, particularly the $12.5 million out of the $56 million project. Uh, when this project gets built, there'll be 50 respite uh, rooms for those that have nowhere to go when they're discharged from the hospital or they need hospice care. So I really appreciate the county departments. I know Housing and Community Development and um, Healthcare Services Agency were very instrumental in securing that funding and also forming those partnerships with this long-term effort. 
Excellent, excellent. Any other board comments or remarks? Okay. We will now take public comment on items on the agenda. Uh, let's see. Do we have any public speakers on items on the agenda? We do have public speakers. We have in person. Please state your name, the city you live in, and which item you are speaking on. You will have two minutes to speak. Person, we have Tara Clancy. I'm from Avalon Mobile Home Park in Castro Valley. I'm speaking on item number 18. A mistake that is repeated over and over again is no longer a mistake, it's a decision. We've learned that many landlords, including ours, are making the repeated decision to raise rents above the allowable 4% annual increase and more than one per year in violation of our rent stabilization ordinance. We found that they all duplicate the same mistakes over and over again to see what they can get away with. Then if they get caught, they say, oops, we made a mistake, we didn't know. We are asking you to help us fight for our rights by upholding our rent stabilization ordinance and ensuring that it is solid by closing any loopholes. We wanna make sure that it is strong enough to stand up in court when and if it is challenged. The, there's a playbook that investors are learning to use and unfortunately our ordinance has not been immune to abuse. We ask you to vote yes on the clarification to our ordinance regarding what an RV is and when it can be considered for rent stabilization. For reference, this is a photo of what an RV looks like. This is an RV at Avalon. It's an example of what type of unit that our owner tried to exclude from rent stabilization and what other landlords are trying to exclude in their parks. Notice that this is not a recreational vehicle per se. It is only considered one because it is less than 400 square feet. We look forward to working with you on this and thank you for what you have done so far. In person, Angelise Cruz. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Angeles Cruz, and I actually live uh, not in this county, but I live in a mobile home park that's also owned um, by a landlord that is here present in um, your area. And I'm here today because I stand with all the other uh, residents, and I believe that they're, as Tara stated, mobile home parks, um, or at least should be considered tiny homes. Um, and I'm here because residents are, from what has been shared with me, uh, in fear that they're taking advantage of and they are trying to take um, advantage of and trying to make a return on their investments in expense of humble people. Um, and this is exploitation. In my own personal circumstance, um, we have been threatened to close the park and then months later um, have been uh, increased 300% illegally. And this is something that has been a common trend all across California. Um, and I say that from personal experience as someone that has been involved um, in uh, renter powers assemblies in Fresno and will be going to a nationwide conference soon in March. This is not something that's small just in your personal city or just in your county. This is a tactic, this is common. 
Um, just how, how you hear of house flipping, this is something very similar. And we hope that you all will consider protecting your people um, and, and doing this ordinance um, because they deserve to be protected just like everybody else. Thank you for your time. Matt, you're on the line. Please state which item you're speaking on. You'll have two minutes to speak. Uh, speaking in regards to the mobile home rent stabilization, uh, rent control, the ordinance was a culmination of a number of years. In 2017, the ordinance uh, was a collaborative effort amongst all stakeholders. An incredible amount of time and energy was put into it to craft an ordinance. Um, you put make your best efforts to craft it. Unfortunately, with legal language, sometimes there are issues that you know come up in the future that need to be resolved. I commend the Board of Supervisors for uh, amending their ordinance to create the clarity on the RV parks. There has been no rent increase that any of these residents have received over 4%. The ordinance is obviously working as intended. The party that put in those rent increases had discussions with your staff, discussions with community stakeholders, and after understanding that ordinance, rescinded their rent increase. This means the ordinance is working. Uh, this clarification that you are voting on today is needed, and but in, a, in all effect, you have an ordinance that worked as intended, that is protecting the residents, that has created harmony. There is not ill will between all of the park owners and the residents and the county like there are in other jurisdictions, namely Sonoma County, where park owners and residents and the jurisdictions are at each other's throats. This is, uh, for Alameda County, this has been an intensive win where everybody is pretty much in a kumbaya and getting along and working together to continue to provide this affordable housing. Um, I, again, I commend you and I appreciate you uh, making this change the ordinance. And I think that should keep us in line uh, going forward for the foreseeable future. Thank you. In person, Judy Espinosa. Good morning. My name is Judy. I am supporting Avalon Mobile Home Park in Castor Valley. And we're speaking on agenda number 18. We're asking that you assist us in fixing the loopholes in our ordinance that have left us vulnerable. The tenants at our park have experienced one attack after another over the past year. It has been our understanding, according to our read of the new owner, Daniel Weisfield's website, that he does not believe in the rent control. This has led us to feel that he thinks he's done nothing wrong to us. We've experienced illegal utility charges, unwarranted three-day eviction notices, and an attempt at an outrageous rent increase, which have all been devastating and stressful. These keep being explained by management as mistakes. Some tenants are facing evictions as we speak. This same scenario is being experienced in parts across our county and the state. We need your help to help prevent, to protect our most vulnerable and not cause homelessness. Strengthening our ordinance can help prevent future attacks on our health and well-being and help allow us a security that we will not lose the place we can still call proudly our home. Thank you. 
Daniel, you're on the line. Please state your name and the item you're speaking on. Hi, this is Daniel Weisfield. I'm speaking on item 18. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Great. Um, I am with the group that owns Avalon Mobile Home Park. Um, I had a chance to meet with some residents last week at the Castro Valley um, Municipal Advisory Committee and uh, speak at that meeting as well. Um, and I said at that meeting, and I'll say it again here, that we were wrong in how we interpreted the rent control ordinance. Um, we read that RVs were excluded, which is the language of the ordinance. Um, and so we issued a rent increase based on that understanding to an amount that was still substantially less than fair market rent. And we also offered a voluntary rent subsidy program. Um, after speaking more with folks who have been in Castro Valley for a long time and in Alameda County and who, who helped negotiate this ordinance, we came to understand that we were wrong and that everyone had intended for RVs to be included under rent control. Um, and we rolled back our rent increase. We let everyone know that we were undoing it. Um, I'm not opposed to this change that um, the supervisors are voting on today to clarify the ordinance. I think that will be good to avoid any misunderstandings like this in the future. Um, we would like to have a productive, positive relationship with our residents to keep providing affordable housing in Castor Valley. We don't want to shut down the park. And we've asked for county staff's help uh, with a couple tough cases who we're hoping to hear from. We're hoping to hear from county staff so we can avoid any evictions. Thank you. In person, we have Dave Thompson. Good morning, Supervisors, uh, President Miley. My name is Dave Thompson. I'm from Maiden Voice, and I'm working with uh, residents at mobile home parks in Avalon and Castro Valley and in, throughout unincorporated Alameda County. Um, we're here today, uh, one, in gratitude for the work that you all have done to bring an amendment to the current ordinance on rent stabilization, which is item 18 on the agenda. Um, and commend you for that work, and I'm appreciative of that as a first step in continuing to protect really the last vestige of low-income housing in unincorporated Alameda. There are 19 parks in unincorporated Alameda County with over 700 units. And so these are really the last places where folks can live, working-class folks can afford to live in, in the county. Um, in October, you all passed an emergency amendment to, on homelessness, and clearly Keeping parks affordable is one way to address that issue. Um, and just what we are seeing, so last two weeks ago, we held a teach-in on mobile home rights, so on the ordinances that are currently in, in, uh, in, in law. Excuse me, I'm sick, I'm a little off today, um, both at the state and county level. We had just with like a week's worth of outreach, we had 52 people show up from seven different parks and describing a various different issues that are going on. 
So it's not just one park. There are things happening at different parks throughout the county. And again, this is pretty limited outreach that was done to bring these folks. Uh, the day that this item was continued, the last meeting or in December, Avalon actually sent out four letters of eviction to renters of park-owned models. So the issue is not over, but we thank you for taking it up today. Thank you. John, you're on the phone, or you're on the line, excuse me. Please state your name and the item you're speaking on. Uh, Jody Johnson, I'm speaking on 18 and 19. I am Jody Johnson from Youngstown Mobile Park, one of 72 mobile parks owned by three pillars, same owner as Avalon Park. What you are voting on today is a necessary clarification as three pillars will look to any loophole to manifest removing any protections in place for all residents in their large 72 park portfolio. Even more important is the moratorium and overlay that if not voted on into law will open the door for three pillars to pillage Avalon Park where it will not be recognizable to the county or to the residents. As we were somewhat first in their plan of action, once I revised the rent stabilization ordinance in July of last year, every possible retaliation took place against senior citizens in Youngstown owning their homes but leasing the land because we did not have a moratorium in place. We are about to enter day three of arbitration to ward off a 160% ground rent increase of $923.41 they want added. I have the list of all that has happened to our seniors, but time would not allow me to list them all for you. Please do not believe three pillars when they say they will not, they are not, as they do and continue to disobey city laws and city zoning overlays at their whim. Without protection, every one of the mobile parks in Alameda County will lead to violation of the rights of citizens to live in peace. Each of you working on behalf of every mobile home park resident in your county, holding your hands, your vote, the only path that stopped three pillars from taking without boundaries. Thank you for listening to these residents who always deserve a voice. Point of order. I just wanted to clarify that it's noted on the agenda that item 19 is withdrawn, so it's not on your agenda for action today and so would not be subject to public comment. So I just wanted to make sure that was clear in the record. <laughs> In person, Simeo Ramey. Good morning, Alameda County. My name is Samuel Ramey. I'm with the California Oakland Union Home Mental Health Outreach for Independent Living. I came here 35 years ago for a problem that I didn't know was going to happen now. Howie Harp seen that. This is a mental illness in this country. When you throw old folks, people in the streets, homeless, you step on them. You take care of other people that got more than the people don't have. 
And that's wrong. You take care of other people from another country before you take care of your own. That's wrong. And people talk about it, but you got to be about it. I'm going to keep coming. Because the things over there, about a Coliseum, in and out, it's called oppression. Okay, this is slavery. And we still fighting slavery. When you throw people out in the city and they can't happen to live in, that's a human rights violation. And they are fighting for the human rights, but they don't know it because they won't come in and be educated on how to fight for your rights instead of going and taking, stealing, and robbing as heathens do. They're not civilized. They need to be civilized. When you house and feed them, educate them, they'll be civilized. That's what we try and get this mental health program going so we can get them off the streets and get them housed so we can get them civilized so we can take care of them like me. I was that way. Okay, 35 years ago, I was a heathen too. How seen that showed me what my problem was. It was mental disabled because of slavery. The things that we do go through during the pressure, you can't get your medicine on it. I take my medicine and go therapy, so I become an advocate for the homeless mental health. Because I know we can have better change and better chance in life. All you gotta do is give people a chance. But these people are not right. But I take money from people that don't have. That's wrong. It's sad, y'all. It's serious, man. It's gonna get worse here. I'm from a Chicago, Detroit. You know, oh, y'all see it. This, this is the beginning of it. Oh, it's going to get worse because no borders now. It's about survival. And we're here for survival. All I, need to, all I want is a program back so I can start eliminating this problem. I know what to do. Thank you. Hello. You're on the line. Please state your name and the item you're speaking on. Hi, my name is Saul Londano, and I'm with the Western Manufactured Housing Communities Association, WMA. We're the association that works with mobile homes, um, park owners, and operators in the state of California. We do education, training, advocacy, et cetera. We've been uh, paying attention to this <clears throat> item since, um, since it was first brought up. Um, I think you've seen here that the owner of the park in question has uh, repeat repeatedly shown publicly that uh, he admits that, that there was a mistake. And I think that this shows really that the ordinance, has, as a previous speaker has mentioned, that the ordinance has, is, is working as intended. And I commend the county and supervisors and, and their staff for the work that they've done to uh, between residents and, and the county staff and uh, park owners to get to the bottom of this and be able to you know, figure out a way to fix the language so that there's no confusion in the future. Uh, I also commend the staff and the county supervisors on um, keeping an open line of communication with park owners in town. I think it's important for the county of Alameda to have that sort of relationship with your housing providers. They're here to stay. They, they're in the, in the industry because they want to be in the industry. These aren't builders. These aren't developers. These are mobile home park owners that want to be in the business of mobile home parks and they want to keep these mobile home parks alive. So I really commend your staff and, and really ask that you continue to communicate with them, um, specifically those that are reaching out to you um, uh, with issues and uh, with things that can be uh, fixed behind the scenes so it doesn't take and it doesn't develop into a bigger problem in the future. So I just want to commend everybody involved and um, thank you all for your time. Buffalo. With all due respect to uh, the intent of Wilma Chan, I greet you all. 
I'm here, as you may recollect, to uh, speak of context. In the context of the last uh, 30 years, a brave assemblywoman named Spear passed a law, got a law passed about victims of violent crimes. The then occupant of the district attorney's office twisted it to make it witnesses and victims of violent crimes so as to make use of it for a snitch fund. That is to say, the intent of victims of violent crime was twisted by Orloff, step one. Step two, since that time, another member of the assembly said, peer counselors don't need to have a bunch of initials after their names to counsel the homeless. Now, as you know, the homeless is a highly transitory population and the best among us go on somewhere else. As my comrade mentioned, we had a program going. It was called Oakland Independent Support Services. Right now, I'm a little outdone when I find out that we have no access to what we built. And there are members of your structure that get paid by Oakland Independent Support Center rather than dealing with the homeless. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the crooks. But I will say, when law was passed for peer counselors, and here, within 10 miles of where you're standing, sitting, or otherwise reclining, there appears to be confusion between what is a peer counselor and what's a key holder. Key holders are in prison to establish order. Teeny tiny houses that have rats, Key holders are not competent for that, and that's why your money got took. Correct yourself for you wreck yourself. Truth is the light all year long. On out again. Morning, supervisors and county staff. Appreciate your time on this issue today. I'm here to represent park owner and management of a park in Castro Valley. Um, we're a small mom and pop operation. We've been in business for about 20 plus years. Um, we are in support today of the amendment of the ordinance to tighten up the language to align with state law, defining what RVs are and how they should be governed in mobile home parks. Um, we do have an ordinance in place that was crafted back in 2016 and 17. Um, actually took two years, I think it started in 15. Um, we believe that ordinance should be enforced. Um, if there needs language to be modified, we're in support of that just to, you know, address uh, mobile home residents' rights. Um, however, the current ordinance does allow us the tools to keep in operation and to keep running our parks and to be able to do maintenance in this post-COVID world. Um, operating a mobile home park is extremely difficult. Uh, expenses are up, maintenance is up. Um, labor and employment costs are through the roof. Um, and this is evidenced by the mobile home or the RV park that you guys govern out of the Alameda County Fairgrounds. Rents over there are 1350 to 1900 depending on the lot size and space. Um, a lot of the parks that we're talking about, the 19 parks in Alameda County, have very suppressed rents, you know, anywhere for 500 to, you know, 1100 or $1,200. Um, some of the spaces in Avalon Mobile Home Park, from what I understand, are in the 600 to $700 range up to $1,100. It is very difficult for a property owner to keep that park open or to keep any of these RV parks open. So we just ask that we are allowed to 
um, operate under the current ordinance and we have the tools in place to offer this affordable housing because without those tools in place this type of affordable housing will disappear and we're not developers we're not builders um, as was mentioned by a previous speaker we're in this business because we want to own and operate mobile home parks and without the tools in place these parks will disappear and they'll be redeveloped by corporate agencies and we're not here advocating for that just advocating that the current ordinance is enforced thank you person Good morning, supervisors. My name is Hera Alikian. I am part of an ownership and operator of a small business in Castro Valley, the Wishing Well Mobile Home Park. I want to thank you for your time today and reviewing item number 18. We are in alignment with making that correction. Um, it was always our intent when we crafted this ordinance, which we worked very hard for with Supervisor Miley and Chan with housing staff from 2015 to 17. Um, if a mistake was made and something was not in the ordinance, it was always intended to be there to align with state law. So we commend that correction. Um, the current ordinance works as intended. We did cooperate with other park owners that crafted this ordinance with the new owners to educate them and inform them of the mistake in their way. Um, the issue at Avalon um, is seems to be an Avalon issue at this time. When speaking to housing staff last week after the Castro Valley MAC meeting, Jennifer Pierce did indicate to me that until this event for the last six and a half to seven years, it was pretty much quiet on the mobile home front. Um, we do want to ask that the county use their resources to help the residents at Avalon that may need the help that they need. Uh, my understanding is from the park ownership there that the uh, items in question are not evictions per se, but they are issues where they own trailers in the park that they no longer want to own and operate. They're economically obsolete and are costing management far more in maintenance and liabilities at this time. Um, it is not their desire to continue to rent trailers with the land. The business model is just to rent the land. So if there are issues there to address with those particular three or four residents and the park ownership, we ask that you look into those resources at the county to help address those. Thank you. There are no additional speakers. All right, I want to thank the, <clears throat> thank the speakers this morning. Okay, good. So let's see here. I, th I think I'm going to continue with the meeting as opposed to having us recess in the closed session. Or should I? Because do we have um, outside counsel coming today? Yeah, we do not. We, we don't have outside counsel? Okay. Okay. Okay, so let's go to the, the consent calendar. I'll move approval of today's consent calendar. I'll second. Consent calendar has been moved by Halbert, second by Marquez. Any board comments 
Questions on consent? All right, so if we could have the roll call on the consent calendar. Supervisor Halbert? Aye. Supervisor Marquez? Aye. Supervisor Tam? Aye. Supervisor Carson? Yes. President Miley? Yes. I think we're now ready for the mass motion, if the county administrator has that prepared. Thank you, President Miley. For the mass motion, I'd like to move items two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Question on twelve. Question on twelve. Item thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. 17.1, 17.2, Question on 17.3. Very good. Item 18 is an ordinance. Item 19 has been pulled, withdrawn. So continue to move item 20, 21, 22, 23. 23.1 is an ordinance. We'll take that up then as ordinance. Items 24. 25. Item 26 has been requested to be continued. Item 27 in the mass motion, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35. I note 36 is an ordinance. Sorry, I have a question on 32. I apologize. 32. Uh, item 37 and item 38. And that completes the mass motion. I'll probably have questions on a couple of items as well. Uh, for clarification, was item 14 in the mass motion? Item 14 is in the mass motion. Can, can, I'd like to have, have that pulled out because I'm going to have to recuse myself on okay. an aspect of that. I will pull item 14 out, excluding okay. it from the mass motion. Okay. Take that up okay. separately. Okay. Is there a second? To I'll the second. Okay, so the mass motion is before us. So what's the first item? Um, can I add an item? I apologize. 18, question on 18. Thank of you. Of course. I'll also have uh, to add questions Eight, that I have. 18 is not in the mass motion. Yeah, thank you for recognizing that. Okay. Okay. First item up with questions or comments. Uh, so um, is it 12? Item 12. <laughs> Thank you, um, President Miley. <clears throat> so item 12 um, is uh, essentially uh, adding $873,600 to an existing contract that um, the Healthcare Services Agency uh, has with the Deputy Sheriff's Activities League, or DSAL. And um, I mean, it's definitely a testament to Director Chala for being able to secure this funding at least through the next six months through June um, to make sure that the Recipe for Health program is uh, going to be continuing. Um, my 
questions and concerns have more to do with the, the long-term sustainability because you know, June's coming up pretty soon and um, wanted to find a way to get a handle on the, the assets and the liabilities that uh, DSAL has using county resources, whether it's buildings or whether it's um, uh, facilities with the Dig Deep Farms and, and how um, that uh, gets translated uh, after June to potentially an, another entity if, um, they, if DSAL is divesting themselves of the food programs. Uh, Supervisor Tam Colleen Chavla, Director of the Healthcare Services Agency, thank you for your comments on the uh, on the Recipe for Health contract. As you note, um, this is a contract that uh, expands funding for DSAL to enable them to this and the next item enable DSAL to provide support uh, for the Recipe for Health program through June of 2024. Um, your comments. Uh, speak to DSAL more broadly than the healthcare services agency's engagement with DSAL, though I know your board has a broad level of um, interaction with DSAL. I might defer to the county administrator about a, a broader response around DSAL's uh, situation. So, uh, Supervisor Tam, as you know, um, you know, we have been reviewing the county's investments um, with DSAL. Obviously, the priority was to continue. Uh, the recipe for health program there is i believe some additional information um, that we are waiting for from um, dsal and at some point you know want to be uh, able to report what the county's investments have been and also to be able to um, track those investments do we have a timeline for that are we thinking it'll be before um, <clears throat> this uh, extension on this contract ends I would say it's a work in progress. You know, we've been asking for a lot of you know, information. There's a lot to um, unwind. I don't know if um, anyone is available that sits on the, you know, DSAL board, but there are, you know, a number of agreements um, that DSAL holds that the county is not a party to. So I think what we're in the process of doing is unwinding, you know, which, um, what what the county's relationship is in terms of um, its investments and are clear that DSAL is a separate nonprofit um, that has uh, existing agreements for much of the land, some of the other services, and um, as you know, um, took out a loan on one of the um, programs. Starrett, I sit on the board of the Deputy Sheriff's Activity League and have for um, many years now. Uh, we had our first meeting with the food bank. It was a very productive meeting earlier this week. They are engaging with us in a review of the farm program. Um, I believe that HICSA will be doing whatever work it needs to do to find a new provider for Recipe for Health, and we're going to help them with whatever that takes to make sure a smooth transition for Recipe for Health happens. Um, with regards to the farms, the food bank is interested and they are looking at our budgets and our grants. And uh, we have scheduled several meetings over the next couple of months. Um, we do expect to meet with them on an every two week basis. 
Uh, we are also reviewing all of our capital infrastructure, which includes our leases and includes the equipment that we have purchased and what funds we got, uh, we used to uh, purchase that equipment, including tractors, et cetera. Um, those types of things will have to be evaluated as to whether or not we have to dispose of those properties and return funds to the federal grant uh, government. For instance, we have a lot of FDA food, uh, you know, whatever the Federal Department of Food and Agriculture's acronym is, um, that helped us do some of this work. And so we'll have to identify which things we can transfer with the farms versus which things we have to sell and then repay. So that is work that is happening now with our management team. Thank you for that update. Um, do you expect that the asset inventory and, and the assessments that you're talking about to be completed um, before the end of the fiscal year? Yes, we actually hope to have something within 30 days. That's part of our uh, response to the food bank around whether or not they're interested in taking on the farms. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I also have questions about the program. I note that um, $969,000 of funding is coming from Alameda Alliance for Health, $634,000 from the fe a federal uh, Grant USDA NFA, I guess. That's great. Um, I believe that this is asking for 772000 to come from where? Is it the HICSA budget? Or where is the other $772,000 coming from? And is that an additional budget request um, spending? Because then it says that these recommendations will have no impact on net county costs. So I'm trying to understand that. I believe that that is the remainder of the contract that's not representative of an increase. So is that true? It's uh, the remaining, the, the budget adjustment is offset by revenue of the same amount. So it, it essentially, uh, the is composed of the 600 and, sorry. I don't, I don't know that ex specific amount, but I will say it's not, it's offset by revenue. So I don't know um, what comprises the 772. I'd have to do the math and get back to you on that. But okay, the, the reason for the contract increase is because we got a rate increase from uh, Alameda Alliance. So the rate increase allows us to reimburse DSAL at a higher rate that gets closer to covering their cost of providing food for the Recipe for Health program. So that is what uh, is represented by the increase in revenue. My staff calculated, and I haven't double checked it, but I think this might be like $42 a bag of produce. Yes. So um, as we go forward with our analysis, and it's incumbent upon all of us. The board sets direction on whether we would like to continue with the program. And I would just like to be mindful of the cost to produce or secure versus other alternatives to produce uh, or, or secure. The food bank is available. There are other mm, Bay Cities produce type uh, agencies that have great food that are served in our hospitals. Um, that we be mindful of the cost to serve 
uh, and that we call that out when this does come back to us, that we're very clear about what those costs are. And um, it doesn't mean we can't, well, I know things cost a lot of money. We, we understand that. But I'd like to be mindful of that as we go through. Sir, I appreciate you raising that. I want to point out that the cost per bag is more than just the produce, more than just the produce inside the bag. It includes the delivery of that produce to each individual recipient's home uh, on a weekly basis for a period of time. So right. it's uh, in, in it, uh, not just the cost of the food incorporated. Yeah, there. delivery is super important when people are critically ill. So I, yes. I get that. That's really uh, helpful. Um, then also tracking the outcomes to make sure that we're really clear about the reduction in uh, <laughs> diabetes and heart conditions and the other things that we're trying to solve for. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Yes, this program uh, does include robust uh, outcome measurement. Yeah, thank you. No other uh, questions, uh, should we move to? Uh, uh, right President now. Miley, I, I just wanted to uh, respond to some comments from uh, Supervisor Halpert. Um, the Recipe for Health program is a nationally recognized program that integrates uh, regenerative farming with um, producing food as medicine. So it's not just about just going to an organic store and, and purchasing the bags. And so part of the grant funding that we receive from uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture looks at that integration and then also trying to bring in um, some of the reentry workers into the farming industry as well. So I wanted to uh, just clarify that aspect of the program. Yeah, the circular economy is huge, uh, and it's important that we keep it all inclusive in our analysis. Get it. Thank you. Um, thank you, Board President. I also wanted to thank my colleague, uh, Supervisor Tam, for raising the questions, because this is uh, a program that's really important to District 2. I understand the ongoing work with Recipe for Life, so Recipe for Health, so I want to um, acknowledge Director Chala and Probation and Alameda Health Alliance for funding, uh, finding a funding source to keep that going, and I understand the conversations with the food bank is ongoing, and just want to say that District 2 is available to answer any questions. I know there's been ARPA funding, um, specific funding from our discre discretionary funds, specifically to the Masonic Homes, the Water Well. Um, we wanted to get a farm live in Newark, as well as um, a system at uh, the Hayward Stack Center. So any way that we could be helpful in providing that information, my goal is I understand we don't have answers yet, but I want the conversation to continue. As was mentioned, this is not just about the farming, but also providing jobs to our system impacted individuals in our community. So I definitely want us to continue to collaborate on these efforts. So thank you for the work that's been done so far, and I look forward to the ongoing conversation. Thank you. Well, thank you, um, Director Chawa, members of the board. Yeah, we're, we're tracking this real carefully. With the county administrator and i do expect that um, we'll continue to see this item if not here in the board chambers in, in work work sessions in the near future but we're we're tracking it trying to deal with all the various components of this worthy effort that uh, desout launched a number of years ago okay next next, next questions item. uh items 17.3 uh, Thank you. I don't know if anyone is online from the auditor's office. If not, maybe we could skip it, give them a chance to 
join on Zoom if they can. Very good. Actually, if we could go back to item, I had questions on item 13. No, I'm sorry, we don't have that anymore. The next questions then are item 32. Thank you, I see our sheriff is here. I just had a couple questions. Um, I know that uh, there's a request to look at uh, contracts through the sheriff's department to come back and have a more comprehensive uh, review of those contracts at public protection committee that will be scheduled later in the year. But with respect to this item number 32, there is um, a substantial increase in the contract and the five-year extension. Could you just kind of explain to us what is it going to cover exactly? Are there deputy sheriffs specifically assigned to the airport or do they um, work outside of the airport or are they just assigned to that specific location? Can you just help us um, have a better understanding of why the increase? Yeah, so good morning, everybody. So there's an increase because we have some increases in uh, our salaries and benefits, so that covers all of that cost. We also implemented a chain of command structure at the airport. It used to be a captain and two lieutenants. It is now a commander, a captain, and one lieutenant. So that covers the costs that are associated to that. The people who are assigned to the airport contract are assigned there as their primary assignment. They're not um, they're on an ancillary or overtime basis. And the reason why the sheriff's office has a contract with the airport is because we had our September 11th, uh, 2001 event where uh, they required a much more dedicated team to be able to provide law enforcement services. And we have an explosive ordinance disposal team uh, where we have staff that are on that team that are assigned to the airport. Uh, and they have their TSA dogs that are explosive dogs that are able to assist uh, the TSA administration with the scanning of baggage. So uh, this this contract is necessary at this point. Uh, in you know, I think we've talked before where I am evaluating where we do have staff um, through law enforcement contracts and seeing if we can pull staff behind. And so that is um, in the works right now, um, but the airport is not going to increase staffing. They've asked for in an increase in staffing, but we are not going to do that until we can get our staffing levels sufficient enough at the jail um, first. Thank you. And just want to once again recognize too that this contract is fully funded by the Port of Oakland, and it's a federal contract, and we're basically um, restricted to the confines of the the airport it's not as though deputies are available to go and do other policing along the hagenberger corridor and address some of the other problems associated with public safety in the city of oakland is that correct so we do have some operations that we can conduct on an overtime basis uh, through grant funding and that captures the corridor off of 98th uh, avenue like you know, where it's generally you have some crime that's occurring either at Starbucks or in that corridor there at gas stations. Um, we'll, we'll do some operations just randomly uh, to help Oakland PD, but we do not have anybody that's assigned to the airport that we take away from um, to be able to conduct those operations. So that's strictly overtime, strictly voluntary. 
No other questions uh, noted. Did, uh, there was 17, what was it, 17? 17.3, the, the, the auditor will be joining us shortly. Pardon me? The auditor will be joining us shortly to respond oh, to whatever the question She's is. coming to the chambers? Okay. So we'll hold off on that. Any other? Uh, Let's uh, take it out of the mass motion then and take it up separately. You'd like to do that? Um, or we can proceed with 14 if you want to recuse. We could take that up. You give me all these options. <laughs> Can I ask a quick question? Maybe by us a few minutes. Yes, yeah. if possible. There's uh, the orders. Oh, oh, hold on. So, Sheriff, I just have a quick question on item number thirty. Um, this is the software LexisNexis um, giving members of the public an ability to report um, items. So, um, can you help us understand if this is approved? What would the outreach effort look like, and is there an option to have an app on your phone to report these specific low-level crimes. So when we meet with LexisNexis, we are going to talk about uh, mobile application. Um, right now, this is going to be through our website, the Alameda County Sheriff's website. And it is not going to be a circumstance where um, our residents will be directed straight to the website to file an online report. They're going to be given an option. You can either have somebody respond to your door uh, and take a report or wherever you are, or you have the option to do mobile reporting or not mobile, but website reporting. Uh, we're going to have a social media outreach uh, in any way, shape, and form. When we have our community uh, meetings, we're going to make sure that we share that out to individuals, that they can have that option now. Um, our patrol staff will be, whenever they respond to a call, they'll be sharing that information out as well. Uh, we're all, with our local businesses, you name it, we're going to try to get it out through our community policing team. Um, but a lot of that focus is going to be on the social media push. So we're going to go back to 17.3. Thank you. I see our auditors here. Thank you for yeah, joining Melissa us. Melissa Wilk, Auditor Controller. I Hi. just had a couple questions. Um, this is my first time reviewing this document. Sure. So can you just help us understand this is a requirement every year and just can you explain what the purpose of this is? Sure. So each year we work with the county administrator in the budget, a use of the fund balance for each of the different funds. Um, and at the year end when we close it out. So for 2024, for example, um, road fund had 45 million dollars budgeted for fiscal year 2024 and when we closed out uh 2023 there was an actual remaining balance in that fund of 91 million so then we adjust uh the fund balance by the difference to bring it up to the fund balance that rolled from the prior year to the new year funds are coming from reserves or where are they coming the adjustments they come from they sit in different funds so there's a general fund a fishing game fund a road fund they all have separate funds okay. um, and they sit in a fund in the accounting system okay and then um, can you just explain the special districts why there's a significant jump in that adjustment uh, why there's a significant adjustment mm -hmm. you know what I, I'm not sure I could go through right now um, okay. Each of the different districts are in the attachment, and they show which funds or which um, which funds make up those special district adjustments. Um, so you, there's 
uh, dozens of them, but you can go in and see. So for flood zone 13, um, the adjustment was 1.4 million. Flood zone seven was three, uh, negative 3.2. We combine all those to total up to the special districts. So you can look into each of the special districts to see uh, what the fund balance was budgeted and then what was left for last year and what we carried forward. Okay, yeah. Thank you. And I just would like to state that um, in talking with the county administrator and the auditor um, at the request of uh, Vice Chair Halbert, you know, we will be bringing uh, a report, discussion, informational item to uh, the board, probably at a work session. Probably won't be in February because we only have two meetings. It probably will be March uh, on our reserves, our escrow accounts, our designations, and things of that nature. So, um, the board can have a chance to look at that yeah we'll be ready okay i'd like to go back to item four and ask a question if we could this is a social services agency question item four which is our help program and um So uh, this is a program that helps those people struggling to make ends meet monthly with utility bills, maybe shallow rent subsidies. This is through administered through the Catholic Charities of Oakland, and I'm sure they do great work. My question is, the geographic, is it just the Diocese of Oakland, or is it just the City of Oakland? Or does this expand countywide? And, and if not, do we provide these services through other agencies of similar nature in other parts of the county? Thank you for your comments and question, Andrea Ford, Agency Director, Social Services Agency. The HELP program assists um, individuals countywide. Mm. Um, Catholic Charities administers the payments to those individuals. Mm. But it okay. is a countywide program a county that's run program. out of the social services agency. Okay. That's it. Thank you. Thank you Thank very you. much. Okay, if there are no other questions on the mass motion, the mass motions before us. If it was moved by Halbert and second by Tam. Tam, okay. All right. So if you can call the roll, please. Supervisor Halbert. Aye. Supervisor Marquez? Aye. Supervisor Tam? Aye. Supervisor Carson? Yes. President Miley? Yes. All right, so we're going to go to item 14, and I need to recuse myself on item 14C once again. It's the funding from BOSS because I've received a contribution uh, February of last year from Don Frazier. Uh, and I need to continue to recuse myself on that. I think for a few more, few more months. Okay, so I'm gonna be stepping out of the room. Very good. We'll now take up item 14 and uh, seek a motion to approve. I'll move item 14. I'll second. Very good. Noting that uh, President Miley has recused himself and left the room, we'll now take up the vote on item 14. Roll call vote, please. Supervisor Halbert? Aye. 
Supervisor Marquez? Aye. Supervisor Tam? Aye. Supervisor Carson? Yes. President Miley recused himself from discussing and voting on the item and left the room. Very good. Thank you so much. We'll now welcome back President Miley. Hey, thank you. So what's our next item? Uh, your next item is item 18, which is the first reading of an ordinance amending the definition of mobile home brought forward by the Community Development Agency. It's the first reading. The title, an ordinance amending the definition of mobile home in section 3.32.0101 of chapter 3.32 of the Alameda County General Ordinance Code regarding mobile home rent review procedures. I'd like to move the way the balance of the full first reading, move for the adoption of this ordinance. I'll second. Okay, so moved by uh, Supervisor Miley, seconded by Supervisor Tam. And let me just um, speak on this matter. Some of the speakers alluded um, back in roughly 2015, 2016, 2017, uh, the HCD staff, that's Housing and Community Development staff, and my office and county council spent a long time working with. Um, residents of the mobile home parks throughout the unincorporated area as well as the uh, proprietors of those parks come up with the ordinance and we thought we had a pretty solid ordinance but obviously you know that when you have an ordinance the nature of an ordinance it can be amended so this is a a, a worthy amendment that um, uh, I feel based on the communication I've received from all parties all stakeholders is well worth the the board um, uh, considering and approving um, and then I do do know do appreciate the fact that uh, some of the um, uh, the the work of the staff and I believe the work of the uh, some of the other proprietors of mobile home parks in the unincorporated area spoke with the uh, owners of Avalon and inform them of you know their their issues relative to uh, the the rate height the rent height and why that was um, um, not um, within the the legality of our ordinance and so uh, I do appreciate the fact that everyone reached out on that and took the necessary steps to address that I think that's how government works um, when everyone can come together and work on these issues and come up with a with a solution that's, um, um, for lack of a better word, win-win, but definitely serves the, the broader interest. Now, uh, what we're doing today, if this passes and then it passes on the second reading, is not all that needs to take place. There are other things that need to take place. For instance, I know um, the the MAC, Castro Valley MAC, uh, and working with the planning staff and the uh, county council in the community We'll be looking at potentially, um, if not uh, an overlay uh, type of option, other options that we can provide even more protection for tenants in mobile home parks. That's a separate matter, separate track. will be coming be um, before us at some point down the road. But this action today is clearly um, a step in the right direction. So I just wanted to kind of put that out on the, on the record. Supervisor Halbert. President Miley, I also want to appreciate the public comment um, comment today, but also 
prior to today, I was able to meet uh, on Zoom with uh, tenants and indeed, as you mentioned, uh, everyone coming together, representing their, um, their needs. And um, I understand this ordinance uh, amendment will align us with state law, which is really important. And I also understand that some of the nuances of how you define uh, an RV versus a mobile home, and it's been there for nine months and it's stationary. The picture we saw today is very clearly not a movable RV, it's a mobile home, and we're correcting that, and uh, that both sides agree uh, and have come together and are in alignment. Um, indeed, uh, I would just echo your comment. That's how good government works. So I appreciate that. I'm in support. Okay. So maybe, um, Michelle, would be appropriate just for you to kind of provide a little bit more illumination on this, this matter before us today, since you've been working with me on these matters for a long time. <laughs> I have a really short PowerPoint, if they can find a way to get it up. Yeah. But um, I just wanted to appreciate both the comments about the work that we did earlier, as well as you know hearing from both the mobile home park residents and having the Alikians here. I really appreciate that they came today. Um, essentially, what, what happened is state law defines an RV as uh, um, something that moves every nine months. And we very clearly did not include RVs in our mobile home park rent stabilization ordinance because, you know, they're not permanent. But as soon as a RV stays in a space for longer than nine months, it is defined by the state as a mobile home. So the fact that these types of units were named RVs does not make them RVs, especially since many of them have been in place for years. So the, the conversations that we had with the park owner indicated what we believed um, the rules were. Uh, we've been in dialogue with them for months. Um, I'm glad that they've decided they've made a mistake. Uh, and this change to our ordinance does very specifically refer back to state law as to the definition of what an RV is. Um, the other thing about RVs and mobile homes is that owners of mobile home parks must register with state and must register with the county. And you must register the number of RV spaces and mobile home park spaces with both of us. Um, and this park has never had RV spaces. Um, in all of the years that we have gotten our registration. So we very clearly always believed that all of the spaces were mobile home park spaces, and the prior owner had always registered the spaces as mobile home spaces and not RV spaces. Also, in um, alignment with state law, uh, RV spaces have to be clearly designated as RV, and they have to be kept separate from mobile home park spaces. So all of those things, our ordinance should be read with state law and um, these changes to the ordinance uh, uh, coordinate that and, and make that more, more quickly. And I'll just, it's a very short PowerPoint. You know me, I'm PowerPoints. <laughs> Next slide. So these are the 19 mobile home parks that we have in the unincorporated county. Our mobile home parks are actually very small. 
Um, we don't have large ones with hundreds of spaces. Most of them are 40 to 60 unit spaces. We have about 600 residents counting in the unincorporated county that live in mobile home parks. Most of our mobile home parks also are only single wide trailers. They're not double wides. Next slide. Uh, Michelle, just real quickly too. Uh, it's my understanding that four are in Supervisor Tam's district and the, the rest other, are in yours. The other six, um, the 15 are in my district. No, wait a minute. There's 19, yes. The other uh, 15 yeah. are in my district. Correct. Okay. The, the one in Ashland is in Supervisor Miley's district, right? Um, the districts have changed. I'd have to go back and look specifically. Okay. Um, so this is a, a picture of one of our mobile home parks. It's the Del Rio Mobile Home Park. Um, and as we've talked about very quickly, we have an ordinance that restricts rent increases to 4% annually. It, in 2017, we added vacancy decontrol, which means that when a, an owner sells the unit um, and moves out, a new owner can come in to that space and the mobile home park owner can raise rents at that point. Next slide. Avalon specifically is 49 spaces. Um, next slide. And we talked a little bit about this. Uh, again, this is really just around aligning our definition with mobile home park law with, with the state. Next slide. Questions? As I said, it was short. Thank you, President Miley. Um, I just want to commend the community members who came out. I think, I remember if it was beginning December, but it was last year. So I just um, want to acknowledge, I know it's not easy to get here and sit here for hours. So just thank you for your advocacy. Um, thank you to CDA. I was very impressed to see how quickly we were able to make this ordinance, this modification to um, be in alignment with state law. There was commentary about four trailers being owned by the owner of Avalon and why that's a unique situation. Can you speak to whether or not there's any assistance with um, relocation or how do we help mitigate that issue? Um, we are looking into that. There are several possible solutions that we're going to be talking to the park owner about. Um, and I hesitate to go into detail at this point, but I would like to try and find a resolution for these residents. Just wanted um, that you answered my question in terms of staff working in collaboration with the owner and, and the tenants. That's wonderful to hear, and thank you for doing that. Thank you. Yeah, that's how we roll. I always bring all the parties to the table. We did back in 2015, 2016, 27. Michelle knows we we had, and the uh, the park owners and some of the tenants in those days know we had countless, countless countless meetings in my office in Castro Valley. You would not believe it over a year to a two year period to hash all this out. Um, it took a while, but we, we, we did it. And I also want to acknowledge County Council because this was you know, new work that County Council was thrusted upon them. And as we all know, um, County Council is having shortage in staff and there are other shortages in staff elsewhere. So I just want to commend um, Andrew, Andrew Watto for her work on this uh, as well, um, because of couldn't couldn't have done this without with every without everybody coming together on this matter. So um, I believe I believe that's all for for now. So uh, there's no other comments from the board members. The 
The ordinance has been moved, it's been seconded. If we have the roll call. Supervisor Halbert? Aye. Supervisor Marquez? Aye. Supervisor Tam? Aye. Supervisor Carson? Yes. President Miley? Yes. Next item. Uh, item 23.1 is the first reading of the salary ordinance amendments related to classifications in the public defender's office. An ordinance amending certain provisions of the 2023-2024 County of Alameda Salary Ordinance. Move to waive the full, first full reading of the ordinance and move for its adoption. I'll second. second. Oh, I'll second. <laughs> move by Howard, second by Marquez. Any board comments or questions? Let's have the roll. Supervisor Halbert? Aye. Supervisor Marquez? Aye. Supervisor Tam? Aye. Supervisor Carson? Yes. President Miley? Yes. And item 36 is the first reading of uh, traffic regulation ordinance changes in the unincorporated area. Excuse me just for a minute. Do we have to, was 23.1? That was 23.1 we just did. Oh, I thought we, we just did 23.1. Okay. So this is item 30. This okay. is 36. Okay, 36. Okay, item 36. Move to waive the full first reading of item 36 and move for its adoption. Ah. An ordinance amending chapter one relating to traffic regulations, county highways of Title VI, relating to vehicles and traffic of the Alameda County Public Works Traffic Code. Move to waive the full first reading and move for its adoption. Second. Moved by Halbert, second by Tam. Any board comments or remarks? Questions? Okay, let's uh, call the roll. Supervisor Halbert? Aye. Supervisor Marquez? Aye. Supervisor Tam? Aye. Supervisor Carson? Yes. President Miley? Yes. And that's your last regular item. And there were no set items for today, right? Okay. Whenever we recess, I want to adjourn a meeting in the name of Joe Grove. Let me go ahead and hear who we'd like to adjourn yeah, in memory of. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, I'd like to adjourn today's meeting in the memory uh, and recognition of Joe Brooks, senior fellow with Policy Link since the founding in 1999, serving as a senior advisor, the Alliance for Boys and Men of Color team prior to working with Policy Link held a number of roles across racial and economic equity field. He was a faculty member of the inaugural Black Studies Department at the University of California at Berkeley and San Francisco State University. He edited the Review of Black Political Economy published by the Black Economic Research Center in New York City in 1972 to 1984. He was the president of the Emergency Land Fund serving as the uh, Black Land, um, Black Belt of the East Bay, which is where they focused their attention. He later served as Executive Director of the Berkeley California War on Poverty and the Executive Director of the Rent Stabilization Board in Berkeley. From 1991 to 98, he was a Program Officer for the Neighborhood Community Development at the San Francisco Foundation, where he founded and directed the Interfaith Initiative, which is normally known to us today as the Faiths Initiative. Joe was a board member of the Oakland Citizens Com Committee of Urban Renewal, better known as HER, 
co-chaired the Oakland-based African-American Latino Action Alliance and a board member of the Urban Habitat Program, where he previously served as a chair for 15 years. He was a member of the Leadership Council of the Brotherhood of Elders Network, an Oakland, California-based organization with the mission of assisting black boys to thrive. Joe was the grandson of a Baptist minister in, from Berkeley. He grew up watching his grandfather and other congregants support one another in the communities in the Bay Area, uh, especially at, at that time. It was a very volatile time in the Bay Area, not unlike the Deep South. Many people think that it was more progressive, but um, there were a lot of places on Shattuck Avenue in downtown Berkeley that blacks could not work. And there were lots of actions there that even caused Martin Luther King to come uh, to Berkeley to uh, support that action. Um, he, has a, he had a master's degree in city and regional planning from the University of California, Berkeley, a bachelor's degree in business and economics from San Jose University. He was a mentor to scores of young people, uh, a commentator about politics, policy, and history, and um, a very active participant in programs up until uh, his passing at uh, our Juvenile Justice Center. Uh, I think it might have been October, November of last year, uh, happened to have been at our Juvenile Justice Center uh, for a program recognition and graduation. And as, um, as his health was deteriorating, he was still physically present at that uh, event. So I would like to uh, close out today's meeting in the memory of Joe Brooks. So when we adjourn uh, today's meeting, we'll adjourn in the memory of Joe Brooks. So I'd like to, uh, before we recess into closed session, uh, take up public comment on non-agendized items. So if there are any public speakers who'd like to speak on non-agendized items for today, we'll take those comments at this point in time before we go into closed session. Please stage. Well, God bless everybody. Every time I come here, I learn so much about the past. Hmm. Non-agenda item. Let's see, uh, Carson, you resigned and hid behind the sheriff. Why are you still here? Um... That's a pretty good question there. You resigned, hid behind the sheriff, had the nerve to mention Dellum's name. Why are you still here? It's good that you remember Joe Brooks, and it's good that you're able to say Berkeley. But uh, those funds from Oakland Independent Support System, the Berkeley mental health drop-in, and Soto's corruption of that so well hidden, why is so much of the malfeasances hidden so that those of you trying to do right don't even know about the rectifications required from the errors of your predecessor. Okay, Sheriff, I entirely hope that you recover and rectify from some of the errors of your predecessor. Of the Board of Supervisors, 
I swear before the Almighty, I don't know what to say to y'all, except we remember Wilma Chan added to the list of accidental on purpose hit and runs in Alameda, which is why I don't even drive over there. God bless you all, and as I say, the truth is the light, rectify, no, correct yourself before you wreck yourself. And please, observe the errors of your predecessors. They're busy trying to get rid of the new district attorney before she corrects the willful transgressions of her preceding. I'm gonna talk about Orloff. Jackie, you're on the line, please state your name. You have two minutes to speak. Thank you, Jackie Coda from Pleasanton. Um, I just wanted to make a comment about the uh, new election commission. Uh, they met again last week and uh, they're kind of off to a rough start, uh, but uh, we do appreciate their efforts. They were able to uh, nominate a president and a vice president. However, the biggest concern that we have as uh, members of the public is that uh, the because of the verbiage that you put in there of impacted communities, they are now trying to appoint a child who doesn't even have the, the ability to vote yet to the commission. What kind of impact will a child have on an election commission? Someone who knows nothing about logic and accuracy, nothing about CBRs, nothing about the processes that are required or the rights of observers. It's quite concerning that we have commissioners who are trying to fulfill an image rather than an actual professional position on a commission that will actually make some impact. The other night, they allowed Tim Dupuy to run the meeting. That was absolutely unacceptable. This is supposed to be an oversight committee, not someone who is be being uh, uh, played like a violin by Tim Dupuy. The, the public is extremely concerned about the office of the registrar voters violating the rights of people of our election code. We asked to see where the ballots were secured which is allowed by 15104, the VBM ballots, and they refused. And when they pointed to a room in the back, they said, oh, they're back there. It was an unlocked room, open to everyone, and employee lockers were there. So these are the things that we want to actually be looked at and not be reviewed by a child. So the next three uh, commissioners that they may potentially be Simeon Ramey. My name is Simeon Ramey. I'm with the California Open Union of the Hollywood Mental Health Outreach Program for Mental Health Outreach Program for Independent Living. I apologize. I came up here disturbed because of what I heard this morning on the news and stuff about the Coliseum area over there. And I was out of order. I was supposed to be speaking on 4A, but it took me out of my conscience because this social injustice is wrong. It's a genocide, it's murder, it's wrong. So I'm gonna talk about 4A now. Council Charity runs majority of the uh, homeless shelters in the city of Oakland. 
I'm in one of the programs. I helped them set up these programs 35 years ago. And now they're just not putting back the funding because I've been on because I know how the program's supposed to be run. And they wasn't not running it. They were not taking the funds, doing other things, but they weren't doing more for the people, the tenants in these buildings. And they've been left out. And now they're struggling to do whatever they can to survive because they has no proper supervision, y'all. It's wrong. Back all of them. They can't keep you running around here. Like, I don't know. Chicken with the hair cut off. So we're trying to get some social order in the city. That's what's wrong. We don't have no social order. But we need this badly. I mean, real badly. The, the managers, the, all, everybody needs to be overhauled in this system to understand what's going on. They believe in chaos come order. No. Put God's order back in line. Take care of the people first. And everything else will come in play. House and feed and educate, and you have a civilized society. Until then, it's going to be continuous chaos. Trust me, I know Detroit, Chicago. This is this is Detroit, Chicago right now. It's going to get worse. Thank you. Fred, you're on the line. Please state your name. Good morning, uh, Fred Sahakian, uh, president of the Alameda County Pre uh, Alameda County Management Employees Association. Uh, good morning, supervisors. Um, yesterday at Alameda County, uh, the Alameda County Management Employees Association sent a memo to all of your offices. Um, the memo uh, detailed some of the quotes we received from uh, members uh, based on a recent survey. And I shared in that memo some of the quotes, and I'm just going to quickly just share them so that they're in the right into the record. Um, we're having major concerns um, as managers for Alameda County. Uh, in part due to the high level of vacancies, um, in part to the uh, salary issues that we're, we're having, the challenges that we're having because Alameda County uh, simply has a, a history and it seems to be a philosophy of just providing average salaries to its managers. And so I want to take a quick minute to just share some of the quotes. And these quotes are in the memos that were sent to you yesterday. And we've identified three areas that are of concern. One is that the uh, that the lack of market leading wages is causing us to have uh, services are being impacted. Uh, for example, one of the quotes we received was that I constantly have to tell our community stakeholders that I can't help them. It reflects poorly in my organization and on the county. Um, the next quote is clients are not getting the care and attention they deserve because we are short staffed. Next person said we're having we haven't been fully staffed in seven years. So that's regarding uh, staffing and um, concerns regarding services. Then we have we have other issues where folks are being impacted and are looking to leave Alameda County because they can't just, they can't afford to, to live and work here. So the memo is, has been shared with your staff. It's also, it was also shared with the, the clerk of the board. Uh, so please, if you would, please acknowledge that there are some serious issues and Alameda County needs to have market leading wages and cost of living increases for all. Thank you. No additional speakers. All right. Thank the speakers on open of a comment. So we're going to recess into closed session. Can the clerk take the roll, please? Supervisor Halbert, excused. Supervisor Marquez? Present. Supervisor Tam? Present. Supervisor Carson? Present. President Miley? Here. All right. So, County Council, is there anything to report out from closed session? 
the board did not take reportable uh, make uh, take reportable actions in closed session. Um, however, I'm sorry, I didn't bring my agenda. Um, and the matter listed on your um, agenda. Thank you so much. Um, under C, um, name of case Doe v. Trap et al. Superior Court of California, County of Alameda, case number 22CV020926. Um, the board at a prior session of the board um, authorized settlement in that case, and that case is now settled. The case settled um, in the amount of $750,000 to be paid to the plaintiff by the county. And that matter, the, the vote on that matter was 3-0 um, um, with supervisors Miley and Carson um, excused. All right. Thank you. <clears throat> and we will be adjourning today's meeting in memory of Joe Brooks. So the board meeting for January 23rd is now adjourned. Thank you so very much.